Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Wow, wow, wow. Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio. Yet again, another Red Hot Reality edition of another, just a wonderful show on top of show on top of show. And over 300 episodes. And wonderful. Thank you, all you guys, for downloading the show. You can get these downloads uh, of these shows anywhere on iTunes, uh, Spreaker, Google Play. You can also listen to us on 97.5 FM. Real Community Radio in North Port Florida, as well as on Blonde Baby Radio. And I have I have wonderful people, of course. I always have wonderful people. I am biased because I have the best guest ever. I'm sorry. No one else can top me. That's it because I have the best guest ever. And that is there is no exception when it comes to this next guest, self-published, the Jackson Wood Chronicle at 35. At 35, which never caught on because few people who read it liked it enough to encourage him to try again. So he tried again. And, and let me tell you something. He's on a roll. This is Frank Woolenbecker. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Yaya. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. And how are you? I'm doing great. I'm absolutely awesome. excited awesome. to be here. Uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm excited for you to be here. Now, tell us about your first book and, and, and how you moved on from that. Well, the Jacksonwood Chronicle is four short stories between four and 7,000 words, and they chronicle the post-war career of a combat wizard. It's an urban fantasy and basically he comes the first story shows him as a small boy when his power first wakes up and his challenges with his family and then being taken to this town which is pretty much an entire magical school not like hogwarts um because hogwarts is pretty much just a castle but this is an entire town it's mm. complete with movie theaters, uh, several different junior highs and high schools, and there are like two or three different schools throughout the United States, and this is just one school in Ohio that he graduated from. Um, Jack is a highly intelligent person. Uh, he was doing sixth grade math. Well, he was doing like seventh grade math when he was in the fourth grade. Ended up completing his academic and magical career at fifth, magical, um, his magical education at 15 years old, an age when most people um, start showing up at that school. And he went straight into becoming an enforcer, which is pretty much someone who, a soldier who is trained to 
hunt down and kill people who violently misuse their magic. Mm. So he the next three stories show him coming home and helping non-magical people with supernatural problems. When he comes home, he helps his sister clear out a ghost problem in her house, which is a whole family situation. Uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers in case someone actually wants to spend the money and buy the book. But the second, but the uh, third story, he has to get a succubus out of an all-boys dormitory. And the fourth story, he has to save a woman from a wizard who dominated a bunch of vampires. And people thought that the book was too expensive. They thought that I could have done more with it. So I plan on revisiting Jack in the near future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm still trying to figure out the politics of Ivory Tower Academy. So once I figure okay. that out, I should be able to get a decent outline. Well, I kind of like that, and I, I'm going to tell you why I like it, that you have to revisit it. That's because people really got into it. So it wasn't a, a, a downer. It was more like, oh, my gosh, you kind of left me really hanging here. Yeah. And a lot of that, people that, uh, said that. Well, I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Um, you're supposed to leave them hanging with an, expedi- an expectation that something else is coming, that I'm going to raise the bar. Mm-hmm. But I feel I can do more with Jack than just a short story character. Okay. Like, I want to visit his time at Ivory Tower School, which is mainly a place where Combat is not only condoned, it's expected. It's a place where the weak are weeded out. Mm. So Mm. it's going to show Jack as being a 10-year-old boy, not only trying to assimilate with kids three or four years older than him, but Mm -hmm. he also has to survive combatively magically and academically in a school that is far more mature than he is, which is going to leave him greatly displaced as he gets older and he's going to deal with these new challenges. Mm, mm, mm. Now, okay, so moving moving on to this book, because I'm, I'm in Chapter 4 of your mm-hmm. new book. Tell us about your new book that you just released. Um, Rayo is an assassin. He was raised in a village of assassins for assassins and by assassins. Um, they don't take members that are old enough to walk because their emotional development has to be severely stunted. They have to learn to live without human attachment. 
because you just simply can't. Basically, they're manufactured psychopaths. That's the only way to describe these people. They are forced to have no empathy. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do this job. So they're taken as babies and raised extremely young, conditioned extremely young. Their curriculum is chosen at a very early age. Rayo's main skills are infiltration, close combat, herbalism, which makes him a great apothecary, a.k.a. doctor, um, poisoner, and he also has this weird ability to make tea because he's so good with herbs. And also he's trained as a scribe, which if you know anything about Middle, uh, medieval Europe, which is what this world is based on, uh, very few people knew how to read and write. So, mm-hmm. so this skill enabled him to infiltrate very high areas. Kings, queens, uh, high-level officials, merchants, and he is a special assassin because he got so good, people now hire him to protect them from other assassins. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. I'm just... you know, I'm amazed at how you can come up with this. How, I mean, how did you figure this out, that you could write like this? Um, I get a lot of ideas. I ask a lot of questions. What if? Or I'll have a piece of dialogue come into my head, or a person with a specific personality will just, or just a personality in general will pop into my head, and I'll say, okay, what kind of person would go with this? And and it just, the person just kind of evolves. Like for someone like Rayo, I needed someone who was, who could become extremely bland, who could become extremely forgettable. Mm -hmm. So I don't really focus so much on how other people see him, I let mm-hmm. people focus on his personality. Mm. Mm. And what a personality that is. I mean, he is cold. <laughs> yeah. He is cold. It's like, I, I read on chapter four where they were in a hotel or whatever, and the girl tried to rob him, and she put something to his throat. The next thing you know, he takes out the, some, some needle, some dagger, sticks it in her poisons her, and he and she's, he's like, I'll sell you the antidote for two coins. He's like, I don't have it. He said, you would have had it if you would have taken my offer. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he is a jerk. Yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty vicious. But he's also yes. got a kind streak. Well, I, I haven't seen it yet. You know, you except for What the about movie. with Oliver? Well, the one where, you know, he kind of didn't kill the husband, but he killed the wife. 
Well, she, he didn't really have much choice there because um, if the wife would have killed herself, then her guild would have killed her husband just to spite her. Mm. So, and since he was there to protect the husband, he had to whack the wife. Mm-hmm. But mm. it it destroyed him to do it. It hurt like hell. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is amazing. I don't want to give the book away. I really don't. But the book is, is just, I mean, it takes you on a loop. And I'm only in, well, I just hit Chapter 5 right now. Because I've been reading while you're talking. I'm like, what? you got to be kidding me. So A Dance in the Shadows, A Dance in the Shadows by F.E. Willenbecker. Where can people get this book? Uh, it's not on print right now. Okay. And thank God for that because I've been – I just downloaded it to, uh, last night from uh, Amazon. And I discovered several things, you know, several – Small things, they don't detract from the story itself, mm-hmm. but several little typos and misspellings that I've highlighted and I plan on going through and fixing. But okay. um, if they buy the story now, Amazon will update it when I make the improvements. But it's available mm-hmm. on Amazon, Apple, Nook. Kobo, Scribd, a um, few other large sites that I, well, less okay. known sites that I know of. But uh, awesome. it's available for it's available for download uh, for ninety nine cents, and in my opinion, well worth it. It's yes, quick read. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely it, it's definitely your grabber. I mean, once you get into it, it's like what, and you can keep reading. So, wow, wow. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Is there anything that you would like to tell the, the listeners today and and your fans today? Oh, well, first of all, I'd like to make a shout out uh, to my girlfriend. Uh, Jenny, love you. Um, to my fans, I want to say, stay tuned. More's coming. Mm. Awesome, awesome. I, you know, I, I appreciate your your uh, your tenacity. I mean, you know, you just went after it. You you kept going. You didn't give up. What was that one moment where you – was there any moment, I should say, where you wanted to give up, that you just believed it, that you couldn't do it? Well, uh, to be honest, failure has been a uh, very old friend of mine. Uh, when I started mm-hmm. learning to play chess in junior high, I mm-hmm. lost a 1,000 games my first year. Mm. And then I kept on playing. I started reading a couple books. And over that summer, I got really good. And I started winning plenty. And now I very seldom ever come across someone who can beat me. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm unbeatable, but I'm, I'm pretty good. 
I win a lot more than I lose. That's for sure. So, so failure has taught me that whenever I fail, I just figure I need to learn more. Well, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, seriously, that is the truth. Wow. And we all need to we we all need to to do that. We all need to, you know, failure is not the end. It's just the beginning. Nope. Um, yeah. One person that I like to read often is Napoleon Hill. He often talks about the difference between um, temporary defeat and permanent failure. He says permanent failure is it only happens when you give up. Temporary yes. defeat just means okay, you lost this round. Go back, learn some more, and try again. Try, fail, adjust. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. So I want to thank you again for being on the show and for doing what you do. Please keep those books coming. Even though I'm a big wuss, I am reading that book. It's very interesting, just the character of the uh, of of you know the characters that you put in there, and definitely Rail is 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 he, he wow, he's he's um yeah Rail is uh, he's a trip. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're enjoying my work. Definitely. I want to thank you again for being on the show. And you have to come back on. And that was uh, Mr. Frank Willenbecker, and he's self-published. And uh, you got to get a dance in the shadows off of Amazon. Uh, just go ahead and go to Amazon and click on a dance. Well, do a search for a dance in the shadows by F.E. Willenbecker. And, again, Frank, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, then. Until next time, and I'll let you know what what I think about it when I'm finished, okay? Thank you so much. Have a good day. All right. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. What a a book. What I mean, wow. What can I say? We're going to put on some music while we uh, take a break, and uh, we'll be right back with Jim Chase's radio. Don't you go anywhere. Here is Aviva with Beautiful.
love the craft. For more visit played on TV, LPs were selling fast. Who could tell that wouldn't last? Remember getting advances, don't we advance into a future that seems to have the chance in the past? It seems scandalous, no labels was the shady. Now I just wish there was still some labels left to pay. But stressing this is crazy, cause we're never going back. Gotta focus on the merch, the tours, the shows we're rap. Still appreciate it, cause these peeps have been dated. Want a future where you don't have to rap like shit to make it. Cause facts have been misstated when it comes to who's the dopest. Got love for yesteryear, but the future's where we're focused. The future, where the hope is. You ought to start some bread, trying to keep some hope alive for the times we got ahead. So we think I'm rest on straight, but we think I'm rest right. We think I'm pay our rest, and your love when you rap. In the future, I can see that we never going back. Like a train, I'm on the track, or whatever, never back. Hey, yo, think I'm rest on straight, hey, think I'm rest right. We think I'm pay our rest, and your love when you rap. In the future, I can see that we never going back. Like a train, I'm on the track, or whatever, never back. Yo, crazy shout out to my man, Don Salon. Don Wave One, you know what I'm saying? The original Six Sense crew, DJ Lion, Cup Master Kirk, and of course, Last Master KRS One. We ain't never looking back, you know what I'm saying? Featuring KRS One Real View. We have our next guest on the line. Thank you so much for calling in. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hello? Yo, yo. Is this Imaj? Yes, Imaj. Hi, this is, this is you're on the air. Welcome to the show. Ah, what's good? What's good? Appreciate you for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. So tell us about yourself. Well, I'm Imaj from um, Dallas, Texas, born and raised. I'm a mm-hmm. singer, songwriter, producer, rapper. I mean, I do the, I do it all on the cool. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, how'd you get started? Uh, well, I, I discovered music at the age of like seven or eight, and uh, I mean, you know, my inspiration came from you know certain family members of mine, you know, um. Like my grandpa, my uncle, my grandpa gave me my first keyboard, so that that you know made me fall in love with music from you mm-hmm. know a young age. And then you know I started taking it seriously um, when I got to like high school, and uh, you know, and I, I made the choice, you know, to either go to college and take that full, take that seriously, or 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 you know, stay focused on the music. And I chose to stay focused on the music, and you know. That got me to where I am, you know, today. You know, I, I'm on the way I met, you know, a lot of dope producers and a lot of dope artists on the way up. And, um, you know, that, that led me to, you know, me meeting with, you know, my manager now, Coach. Um, Coach, he's my manager, and, you know, he's the reason behind playing skills, and he's also the reason behind um, the comedian there riding dirty, you know. So I got with mm-hmm. those guys and him and Spank, and uh, shout out to Spank. He's the CEO of uh, RSVP. Um, I got Ooh. with those guys, and it's been history ever since. Wow. Wow. So 
tell me about your your song. Tell me about I mean everything that went into the recording and all that because a lot of people are, are kind of thinking that being a singer, being a recording artist, is easy. Yes, it's definitely not easy, and I also produce that myself as well. So, um, I mean the the creative process with that. I mean it 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 really took me. I mean honestly. It, it really depends on how how long you you've been in the industry and how 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 um seasoned you are as well. Like I, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of seasoned people around me that's able to season me in certain places that I need to be you know seasoned in. So I mean, as far as the, the creative process of tell me, it was just me one night at a club and you know getting the vibe. Uh, and the vibe I had before the club, I was listening to a genuine record because at that time I was really pretty much studying all the greats at that time. So I was really studying Genuine before I even recorded that song. And um, I went out to the club, you know, that night, and I put the vibe that I had from the Genuine record and the, the vibe that I had from the club into a record. And, and that's how um, pretty much Tell Me came about. If you hear the song, you'll, you'll see, you know, certain things that Genuine has said on um, – a, a, a certain record, I can't remember the record right now, but it's a certain record that he had, and I, I pretty much, you know, put that into that record as well. Mm. Mm. Now, tell me, okay, so you, you got the record, you, you you listened to it, you studied it, and you wrote it, and right. you produced it? Right, I produced it as well. Oh, my gosh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I so actually started off... Go yeah, ahead. I actually, yeah, I actually um started off with the production first, and then you know I went out and I came back and you know just recorded myself as well. Mhm. Wow. So that's, yeah, well, we're gonna go ahead and We're gonna listen to it. We're gonna listen to "Tell Me About Image" right here on Dream Chasers Radio. Here we go. <laughs> Look at all these ladies, ladies, all these bad ladies So much ass in the club, my driving nigga crazy I'm a dog like Louis Gang, Louis on the liquor I'ma throw the fans on the motherfucking strip Shake that ass, show me you a go-getter I'm throwing cash, yeah, she know I'm the nigga She threw that ass on me, I thought I'm zipping my six
wanna be afraid for me Tell me what I wanna hear You can get it all, yeah That money talk, yeah That money talk to the
Wow. 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 So tell me how that feels, though. How does that, I mean, truly, how does that feel? It's really like a it's really like a dream come true to be you know in this in this position that I'm in right now because this is something I always dreamed of you know since I was younger since I was a kid like mm-hmm. this is something that I always wanted to you know achieve is you know proving all the doubt and all the people that I wouldn't you know be where I am now wrong you know and, and proving to myself that I can do it you know so it's 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 really like a dream come true to me and you know just. Uh, even the situation with the Savage Tour, like that was a dream come true. That was really an eye opener, and uh, for me on how serious I needed to take my career as well. So after the wow. Savage Tour, it, the Savage Tour taught wow. me a lot. And I want to say again, congratulations on that. Congratulations on everything, Imaj. Where can people reach you on social media? Uh, you can reach me at Really Maj, Really Maj, everything. That's R E A L I N A J. R E A L. I'm sorry. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I think we... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you can follow me at Really Maj, R-E-A-L-I-M-A-J, R-E-A-L-I-M-A-J. Also got a website as well, so you can follow me at Really Maj there as well. And keep up on all the updates all right. and um, the merch and everything. All right. All right, so we're going to put that down for everybody to get, and that is reallymaj.com, and I put that down for everybody to get. Is there anything or any shout-outs you want to give before uh, we finish today? Yeah, I want to shout-out, you know, I want to shout-out to everybody that's listening right now and on all my fans, and, you know, I want to shout-out to my team. You know, I'm nothing without my team. Um, for the most part, man, I just want to tell all my, you know, my followers, man, just – just stay tuned for all the new music and the new merch coming out and, and the new updated shows. And I'll see y'all soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Imaj, for everything. I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate what you do. Congratulations on the show. We're genuine. You know, tear it up. Tear it up. Don't hold back. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I appreciate you, too. All right, then. We'll talk soon. You got to let me know how the show goes. Definitely. I mean, if you if you are in town or whatnot, we definitely got you. Where is the town going to be at? <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, the Genuine Show is in Austin, and that's in May. So if you if you are in town or whatnot, just, just hit us up, and we got you. Or, I mean, whatever. I mean, Ooh. and also got you on any of the new records that we that we got dropping, so I'll keep you posted on that as well. Please do. We'll put it on our radio. All right, then. Thank you so much. And that was Imaj. Wow. What a talent. I'm telling you. I'm biased. We have the best guest here on Dream Chasers Radio. And, And talking about new music, I have new music by a very talented person, Susan Mutesi. Mutesi. Um, I'm hoping I'm saying her name correctly uh, But her song Her song is beautiful I loved it from the moment I heard it Fishers of Men Beautiful song It, it just talks so much about it uh, About the being a fisher of men um, 
goodness. It, she says here that she's overwhelmed by all the love and welcoming response from her fans worldwide on both the songs. And the songs basically represent her own faith and belief in the concepts of love and what it represents, especially now at a time such as this. And we're going to go ahead and debut that song right here on Dream Chasers Radio. You'll be hearing a lot of this song because we're going to add it to our rotation and also our rotation on 97.5 FM. And here it is, Fishers of Men by Susan Mutesi. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men, yay. Keep the gook on your lips, meditate on it, day and night. Be careful to do every written word that I say.
Love it. I love the smoothness of it. I love the song itself. Thank you so much for sending that in, and, and wow, wow. So that's the debut of Susan Mutesi's latest song, Fishers of Men, and you can get that anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that you can get that on Spotify. You can put that and add that to your uh, your Spotify playlist, iTunes, Apple, um, and Instagram at Susan underscore Mutesi. That's M-U-T-E-S-I. And uh, I want to go ahead and continue with the wonderful music that we have here. View Chasers Radio is, I mean, wow, just amazing, amazing singers, rappers, musicians. I want to thank everybody for sending stuff in. Um, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And here we are with Revival.
click straight. Uh, run up on me, homie, that'll be a mistake. You'll get bodied in your body, you'll be misplaced. I'm trying to whip a wide body to my wrist, say. So I'ma use this glass pot to that break. You know the real, blood to see your buff. You know them hate, blood to see your fuck. Don't matter which way it go, I'ma be a boss. Cause if I never sell a record, I could beat the cost. No, dog, I ain't tripping about no limelight. It's in my pants, I'm still clutching on this nine tight. And it look like I'm about to shine bright. But that been in my plans, I just was making sure the time right. I can make a million off the rap game. Or I can make a million off the trap game. Only get what you put out, isn't that strange? Pure hustle, boy, it's all about your trap game. I can make a million off the rap game. Oh, I can make a million off the trap game. Uh, only get what you put out. Isn't that strange? Pure hustle, boy, it's all about your trap game. I wanna let you know the trap that. That's pure, I'm about to teach you how to trap that. I wanna hear you say the trap that. Pure hustle, I'ma show you how to trap that. I can make a million cause my rap's hot. If that stop, I make a million off the spot. Be for real, I'm still that f***er from the back block Without a deal, still look like I hit the jackpot Hopped out that red thing with them B's on it Hey, these fools on my feet with them G's on it And it look like I got a trick up my sleeve, don't it? And this is street heater if I breathe on it Got a plan to make a meal and I just put my G's on it Old school with the rag top and throw some D's on it I just wanna be a rich boy I'm on some shit, boy And if I don't spit up out this that's what them shifts for Homie, you should get up on my that's what you're for If we ever get into some that's what them glicks for If this microphone don't work, that's what the wrist for We be standing back over the stove trying to whip more I can make a million off the rap game Or I can make a million off the trap game Only get what you put out, isn't that strange? Pure hustle, boy, it's all about your trap game I can make a million off the rap game Oh, I can make a million off the trap game uh, Only get what you put out, isn't that strange? Pure hustle, boy, it's all about your trap game I wanna let you know the trap that That's pure, I'm about to teach you how to trap that I wanna hear you say the trap that Pure hustle, I'ma show you how to trap that
Uh, and uh, I'm filling in really what's missing from the story in the Bible, where she appears mm-hmm. as an adult and a very prominent woman in a, at a time really where no women uh, were prominent at all. Right. Wow, wow. And how did you become interested in Deborah's story? My novels in general um, touch on politics, on, on history, on Jewish history, on um, st- stories of Israel, and uh, kind of all together touch on, on uh, this story. It has everything in it. It has the history of Israel. It obviously takes place uh, 3,200 years ago uh, in ancient Israel. It has politics mm-hmm. because this woman uh, rose to become the leader of Israel, a religious leader, as a prophet, a, a judge, which was the political leader, and a military leader. She won a tremendous war against the Canaanites, liberating the ancient Israelites. So you have politics, yeah. you have suspense, you have drama, uh, and she's an incredible person, obviously, to be able to break through the glass ceiling, which was very low for women uh, in you know, ancient Israel. And and mm-hmm. it's still very low for many women in the Middle East. Uh, so all these uh, elements uh, attracted me to try and tell an interesting story, and it's it's working out great. It's a wonderful adventure. Mm. So is this story of Deborah relevant to uh, our own time and, and modern society? I think it very much is. First of all, you know, in the West, uh, women have uh, relatively uh, equality in, in most of the Western countries, uh, though still there are struggles. You know, women make less money, um, have um, obviously um, subjected to violence, etc. But in much of the world, women are still living uh, not much better than during the times of the Bible. Uh, in much yeah. of the Middle East and Africa, women have no rights. Uh, they're subjected to terrible treatment. Uh, They're limited. In some countries, they cannot go out of the house without uh, a male uh, supervision. So I think it's very relevant in a sense of here is a a young woman who grows up in a society where women had no rights, and she's able to break through and realize uh, what is really in in the second novel, Deborah Calling. It's about Mm -hmm. her true calling. She feels this is her true calling. Uh, to speak for God and for justice, and that's what she does. Mm. Mm. Now, what was the most surprising thing you learned in writing Deborah Collins? I think the most surprising part is how people, even though we've changed a lot in some ways, people have not changed. The same motivations, the same uh, for good and for bad. You have passion and you have hate. You have uh, empathy and you have cruelty. You have greed and you have generosity. Uh, You have envy. Uh, These feelings and these motivations really haven't changed. We we have iPhones and uh, cars and airplanes, but we still are driven, I I think, by the same uh, strong uh, motivations for good and for bad. So mm-hmm. for me to write the story, this is the, the furthest back I've gone in terms of historical fiction. Some of my other novels are set in, in more recent history. Uh, but this is really going back to ancient history. And while I did a tremendous amount of research about how people lived at the time to make sure it's authentic and correct, uh, the adventures and the conflicts and the way people um, uh, fight and love What's interesting is that it hasn't really changed that much. Right. 
And what was the hardest thing to write then? Say it again. I didn't hear your question. What was the hardest thing that you wrote in this book? You know, the hardest thing to write, I think for, for most writers, is when your, your character suffers. When the character mm-hmm. that you've grown attached to and is very real uh, suffers and goes into uh, terrible situations. And, and when you write an adventure, a, a suspenseful story like this, um, it's real life. And real life, especially during those um, uh, you know, ancient years, life was very hard. So it is hard mm-hmm. to write, uh, emotionally speaking. Uh, but it's also rewarding, and, and I hear from readers that they feel it's a real story. They feel that they are transported to that reality by the book, and that's obviously the most rewarding. It means my, uh, you know, challenging work has, has borne fruit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's good. It's a really good thing. So will there be more novels in the Deborah Rising series? Again, I didn't hear you. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. Will there be more novels in the Deborah Rising series? Yes, yes. I actually uh, uh, recently completed the third uh, manuscript uh, in the series and submitted it to uh, the publisher. They're looking at it right now. Um, and that brings her to, to a very important point where she accomplishes some of her goals. Uh, and there may be more novels. I'm contemplating that right now because her story mm-hmm. goes uh, further. She has achieved incredible things, uh, uh, according to the recorded history we have. And she really is the first woman to, for which we have a written record to have achieved such prominence, to actually lead a nation yeah. in ancient history. She's really the first one to do that. Uh, and I think it's, it's tremendous. I think so, too. And do you hear back from the readers? Do they respond to you as well, or do you respond to them? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I've, I've received, um, you know, um, emails and which they can send me through my website, uh, as well as um, you know reviews from from almost every country in the world. And the the, the reaction has been wonderful. People really mm-hmm. connect with the story. It's uh, obviously it's very suspenseful and, and adventurous. Um, Deborah is a great character to work with, uh, and uh, we've, I've, I've been having fun, and the readers have, and, and they have communicated very warmly, and I've been able to communicate with some of them back, again, through my website. Awesome. And did anything about writing this book force you to step out of your comfort zone? Well, by definition, uh, to, to, to write from a point of view of a uh, she's she's uh, 13, 14, 15, uh, a girl in ancient Israel. Uh, for me, you know, I'm a you know, a male, uh, much older, um, living in in a Western country, uh, 3,200 years later. So yes, it, it's it's very challenging to go back and and um, pretend that you're that person and tell her story mm-hmm. as authentically as as excitingly and and as real as you can. So it, it requires a certain leap of faith in, in, in my own ability to write and in my, um, you know, uh, hope that the readers um, feel that it's true. And, and so far the readers uh, seem to have responded very nicely and, and uh, embraced it. So I think it's working out. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So let me ask you one more question. This is going to be the most important question that I ask you. Where can readers find out more about you and Deborah Collins? 
Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, the Deborah Rising series, the first two books, Deborah Rising and Deborah Calling, are available everywhere books are sold. You know, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, uh, as well as all the ebook outlets like iTunes and Google Play. Uh, so the books are available everywhere as ebooks and as paperback. Uh, to find out more information, uh, I have a very nice website that people can visit and find out a lot of information about uh, this series, the Deborah Rising series, as well as my other books. Uh, and the website is my last name and the word books, which will be www.azrielibooks.com. And there is a contact uh, um, page through there that uh, a reader can also send me a nice note. Awesome, awesome. That is very convenient. And also, you know, I commend you. Is there is there anything that you would like to, to say to your readers today? Um, if, I mean, you know, because everybody has something that they can inspire someone with. I mean, what would that be for you? For me, it's really to 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 read and to and to write. Many of my readers are writers or aspiring writers. Uh, and I always, you know, shout, give a shout for that because I know how difficult it is and how people have little faith in their own ability. So for me, it's writing, but really anything else. Uh, and Deborah Calling is about that. It's about feeling what is your true calling? What do you really want to achieve? And pursue it. Don't be afraid. Don't listen to naysayers, uh, but follow your true calling. And, and that's what Deborah did, and that's what I try to implement in my own life. Awesome, awesome. And you know what? I agree. You know, I, 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 t- I think you know that I pretty much totally agree with you. <laughs> because that's what <laughs> yeah. this is all about. Wow. And I want to thank you for being on the show. And you have to let us know about the sequel and or if there's going to be a movie or a TV show or something to that effect. Or even the other books that are coming out. I'm, I'm very excited about the whole thing because you're right. I mean, you know, living in the Western world, us women – and I'm talking as a woman, are very spoiled. We we get what we want, you know. We 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 yeah. have the opportunity to pursue things that most women of different nations and different countries don't have. And I want to thank you for that. And, and thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, and take good care. All right, you too. Wow, and that was Avram Azraeli. He's the author of Deborah Calling, and that's at azraelibooks.com. We put that up on our site so that you can go ahead and click on that and, and, and order that book if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, definitely get the book. Definitely go back into our program. We have had some wonderful guests, and we're not done yet. That's right. This is the extended version of the Yaya Diamond Dream Chasers radio show. <laughs> and here we go with our next caller. Welcome to the show. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hello? Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Jody Woodruff. I, I'm author of the book Free Agency in Pro Football. Wow. Now, see, this is the thing. I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in this. Why Why football? 
Why football? Well, actually, what happened was I went to law school and I did a project on the free agency issue in pro football during the McNeil case, which was going on in the 90s. And I just totally mm-hmm. fell in love with it. I was a labor relations attorney, and the labor relations in the NFL is state of the art. It's just amazing the things that they have gone through and what they have done. They've done lockouts, they've done strikes, the strikes have failed, and they they've crossed the picket lines. And they've they've gone to a court system and and faced amazing challenges to get where they've gotten with free agency today. So it's just it's it's uh, out of all the sports I know the least about football, but I'm very passionate about the free agency issue. And, and okay, did you know the players who won the free agency in the seventies? Yes, John Mackey. And but did but did they give it up in the collection bargaining agreement? Yes, they did. Yes, they won it in the 70s in a huge case in the Court of Appeals. And then the Supreme Court denied certiorari of it, it's called. And then they, they gave it up at the collective bargaining table and lost it and um, and then had to rebuild it again after that. But they did get some concessions, so it, it wasn't as bad as it used to be in the 70s. It's gotten a lot better. In the 70s, nobody could move at all. And after oh. that, now they they can move after four seasons, so it's gotten a lot better. Mm. And for those people who don't know what the free agency is, how, I mean, you know, let us uh, fill them in on what that is. Sure, yeah. Free agency, what it is is um, a, a player by collective bargaining agreement between union and management, the NFL players and the NFL management, have agreed to movement restrictions which means that a player can't move to another team, even though they're not with the contract with the prior team that they're with. They still have to stay with that team for a certain period of time. Right now in the collective bargaining agreement, it says four seasons. Unless you're a franchise tag player, which I'm sure you might have heard of that, a franchise tag player, that's a person like Kirk Cousins that was tagged by the team, so they can't leave even after the fourth season. That that they do get premium pay under the contract to stay with the current team, and the the team can only do it one time every year, and they can only um, lock in one player per. It's only one year, and it's only one player per season. Mm. So did you know the players that lost the case in the early 1990s as they had not contracted away free agency rights in the CBA? Uh, the Powell decision. That was the Powell case. Yeah, in the Powell case, they decided that the NFLPA was traditionally the one that sued on behalf of the players, and they won the Mackey case for the players when they were young, a union. Now, they came into the 80s, and they filed a strike, and that didn't work, so they went to the court system again under the same Mackey approach. But this time, the judges said in the Powell case that they don't have a case because they have a collective bargaining agreement and that that prevails. So it was kind of very frustrating for them because they were in an impasse, it's called. An impasse is where both sides can't go any farther at the table. They're at a wall in terms of their disagreement with each other. So everything's at a stopping point. So the players sued in the court system, but the judge said it doesn't matter that you're at impasse. You're still in a collective bargaining relationship, and you still have to negotiate under NLRB. So you're exempt. So the NFL was exempt from antitrust law. So that's what happened in the 80s. So they actually did technically lose that case, but they came back to win in the 90s with the McNeil case, which is another story in itself that I can explain that a little bit if you'd like me to. Mm, Yes. You know, girlfriend, you go. You just do it. (laughs) Not good. I'm sorry. Well, in in the 90s, they – 
in the nineties the uh the players what they did was they did something phenomenal. This is why I just fell in love with this case because this is when I was going to law school it was at the time of this McNeil trial and I was doing a, a year long paper on it. And what they did is the players decertified the union and went out solo and filed a lawsuit against the NFL anyway, and they went to jury trial and won the case and won the right to free agency again. And the second time they won the right to free agency. Mm. Mm. You know, that's amazing to me that people can actually uh, do that. You know what I mean? They will actually try to stop people from pursuing and, and, and moving. I mean, uh, wow. And did you know Tom Brady sued for free agency in the 2011 negotiations? Oh, yeah. his case, he, he, he filed the case in 2011 for a free agency, but that settled with the new collective bargaining agreement. And they say that the, the players got the shaft on that deal, but it's hard to say. They got like a billion dollars in pension rights for retired players, and they got better benefits, and they got uh, they got some concessions at the table. Um, the salary cap was lowered, actually, so they didn't get a lot with the salary cap, but the revenue sharing was made higher. They got more revenue sharing. So it's hard to say, but it was a new union president, and I think he had a hard battle to face fighting this case. So they settled it, which is unprecedented for them to settle. Normally they take things to the wall, and it would have been Tom Brady, he, who was the deflategate Tom Brady, the famous deflategate Tom Brady. And I often wonder if they didn't go after him because he filed the lawsuit against them in 211. Mm, mm, and and did, what happened with that case? Did it, did it settle? Did it win? I mean, It settled. Yeah, it settled oh. with the new collective bargaining agreement. They settled the case. What happened was the case was first decided in expedition under the lockout provision. The the actual NFL owners locked the players out so they couldn't come back to work because they were in labor strife. So the players filed, and they expedited that particular issue, and the players wanted in the lower court, but the higher court overturned it and said, no, the NFL has a right to lock you out. It's under labor relations, and you can't appeal that right. So they lost that mm. particular part of the case. And then meanwhile, they settled the collective bargaining agreement, so they didn't get to the free agency issue, which was the core part of the case, because it all got settled with the new collective bargaining agreement. Mm. My goodness gracious, that's, you know what, sometimes it could just be a pain. But now, okay, so the CBA is due to expire in what year, and, and what's up with that? 221, and what is up with that is rather interesting. Uh, Maurice Smith, the, the, uh, uh, the executive director of the union, has already gone out in 217, and he's put out numerous press releases telling the players to plan for money and to put money aside if they're going to play in 221 because they're going to they anticipate either a strike or a lockout. And they're, they anticipate they're going to the wall when the next one, that they're going to take it all the way home, that they're very upset with the 211. In the 211 deal, the owners said that they were having revenue problems because the TV rights were being lost and all this stuff. So they appealed, they appealed to the players to give concessions. So the players gave concessions, and then after that, they were, looked at the reports of like the Green Bay Packers as a, a public, uh, publicly held team, and they found that the owners were receiving triple the amount of revenue. In reality, they didn't lose any money; they were actually making more money. So the players are a little bit bitter about that particular issue. Of course, wow! You know, it is amazing to me how even though you don't really follow football. Okay, and neither do I. The case 
what really turned you on to this case? Was it, I know it couldn't have been football, but was it the complexities of it? What it was was the labor relations, the things like the team, the the players decertified themselves from the union. I have never seen that in my in all my years of labor relations background, and I have a lot of labor relations background. A, a union, the personnel actually decertifying to get a case forward, and the fact that they go to antitrust court and they fight with billions of dollars on the line and thousands of volumes of cases that the case law that comes out of it, of the, the the documentation that comes out of it, they fill vaults of room of documents it's so extensive it just amazes me because in in real life in labor relations it goes very fast because it's about money and no neither side has the money to put into it protracted labor relations but in the nfl they're monopolies so they have all the money in the world to play with and they go all the way they go to the to the limit with everything they do it's very extravagant mm, mm, mm. and now your book nfl freedom free agency uncovered tell us about this book. Tell us about this. Oh, sure. It is, um, it's called uh, Free Agency in Pro Football, and it, it deals with the, what it does is it chronicles the legal history of the free agency issue from the 50s with the rate of age decision, which was the first decision in the Supreme Court that says that the players had the right to sue the NFL in the court system, which was big because in baseball the players do not have the right to sue. They just got it through Congress, but for the longest time they never had the right to sue, but football had the right to sue, so it was kind of a different the different time period and then it goes all the way to the Brady decision and it goes through the current status a little bit into the current status of where they're at today with free agency um, my mom says it's a dry legal book and that I should make it more humorous and add more personal uh, personal personality to the book but I told her it is supposed to be dry because it's legal so it's supposed to be a dry book <laughs> well I mean you know sometimes a dry book is just fine yeah, well, I, I want to give I want to give the audience a taste of the free agency issue, and I wanted to give it to them from the perspective of a law student. So I wrote it in legalese, where it goes through what's called issue, rule, application, and conclusion or question. That's called Iraq. That's how you do your analysis in law school, and I wrote that way intentionally for my audience because I really believe the audience is much higher than people give them credit for, and I think they can read legal stuff just fine. So I think that they would be just fine with that kind of analysis. So I wrote it up because I was thinking me before law school, I could read that, and I would really relish it, and I would have appreciated it if an author would write to me and and give me the, the credit I deserve. So I wrote it up to the audience, thinking that they could read it and digest it just fine. Wow. You know, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I love that you incorporated the pictures as well as you incorporated the legal uh, statements and just the things that, that actually go on behind the scenes in football. Most people don't know what goes behind the scenes and how these people actually do really have to go to court. They really do have to fight for what they have to keep it and to keep their 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 uh, their freedom when they want it. I mean, that to me is amazing. I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, it's really, you know, the reason why I wanted to write this book and publicize it is it's something that's been bothering me for a long time because it's just not fair that in a world where I can go out with my resume and market myself to anyone in the NFL where they have an average of 3.3 years of life in, in the NFL, the average quarterback lives last 4.4 oh, 4 years. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, 
the the average life of a player is 3.3 years. The average life of a quarterback is 4.4 years. So they have no life in the NFL, and that's their whole career. And then they, then on top of it, they can't even move to a, a team that they want to live in. I'm sorry. Let me go ahead and put you on hold real quick and take you back off. That helps. And go ahead. Tell us one more time. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, but what I was saying is that the players have an average life of 3.3 years. The quarterbacks have an average life of 4.4 years. And it's just a shame that that's their whole professional career and it's over. And they never have the right to move to another team or to go to, like, a, one one guy had a case where his father was sick and he was in San Francisco and he really needed to move to the West Coast. And they wouldn't let him move to the West Coast to be with his father. Ooh. Some have artificial turf issues where they want to be a natural turf for their home games. Uh, and some of them have, have family issues that have come up and they want to be by their family. It's just a, a whole myriad of decisions that everyone in life faces that we take for granted that they can't. They don't have the freedom to just move to another team where they want to go. And it just makes me very frustrated that in this world where the NFL is so elite with business and they all got there by freedom that they're actually suppressing these players and these players aren't getting the right to move freely by contract. I think they can be locked in by contract, and that is fine. Like Aaron Rodgers has been locked in for a number of years with Green Bay Packers, which is a small market league, by a contract, but the contract is lucrative to Aaron Rodgers. So they can do it by contract and still keep the same players. They're not going to lose anything like in terms of quality of the NFL but they're going to give them the right and dignity to have their own say on where they go and where they play and what the what the kind of money they make and what they do for themselves for a living. Mm, mm. And that is sad. You're right. That is truly sad that, you know, you and I have that freedom that we can do pretty much anything we want with our careers, but they can't. I'm a, most people don't know that. Um, where can people find your book? Where can they find you? They can find my book at Amazon. It's called Free Agency in Pro Football, and my name is Jody J. Woodruff, and you can research under Amazon and find it there. Otherwise, I have a website called freeagencyprofootball.com, and that's where you can find it too. And how do you spell your last name? W-O-O-D-R-U-F-F. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so we have that here, and you're saying that your website is one more time because I'm typing this in as we go. <laughs> uh, free agency pro football dot com. I got it, and we're gonna we put that here. Wow, I mean, goodness gracious, you know. And, and again, I had no idea. I know. I, know. I didn't know it either until I, I until I ran across the case. That's the other reason you asked why I put this out. The other reason is I don't think people know that this is even existing in a day like today in our modern society that we still have this case where people are being suppressed and they can't actually go to the place that they're choosing to work in, in a job. Yeah, most people don't know about that. Mm. Yeah, I, di- I didn't know about that. That that to me is just that makes absolutely no sense. No. no, it does. It's it's really a sad state of affairs. I think there will be. I predict there will be a day when there will be free agency for pro players, and we'll be embarrassed of the stain of history where there wasn't, where they were locked in and suppressed. I think there will come a day when that will come to fruition. Mm, mm, mm. Wow, 
Wow. And and thank you so much for bringing to light the situation, especially since there is just so much against the NFL right now for everything that's going on. I mean, just to see that they have to fight as well. And, I, you know, most people say, well, they shouldn't be, you know, talking because they get millions and millions of dollars, but they put that on the risk every time they go out there on the court, in the courthouse. They put it at risk every time they go out on the field because they don't know whether they're going to live or die when they leave that place or whether they're gonna, their career is going to end that day. That's right. You're absolutely right. That's so true. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. I just I just think that everybody has a career path if they choose, and no one should be, you know, bickering about someone else's career path. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. The, well, you know, the money they get is the actually the average income of a player is only $2.75 million. Did you know that for an, an average NFL player per year? Wow. Yeah, it's, so it's not as high as they make it sound because there's thousands of players in the NFL and many of them are their their average is 2.75 million. And that so so they say they play an average of 3 years. That's 6 million dollars, but they're considered a celebrity and they have to live the lifestyle of a celebrity which comes with agents, promotion people, uh the the house security, all that stuff. And then their their whole career is over and that's it and they don't make any more income and they their pension plan they're starting to work on that now. They're getting more sensitive to it, but before they were just uh-huh. done, and that was the end of it. A lot of them had to take jobs just to play for the NFL back in time. Wow. Now I know of a young man who was on the Steelers, and he got let go because they just didn't know what to do with him because he was a small running. He was uh, was it a quarterback, but he was small, and so they traded yeah. him. And he didn't want he didn't want to be with anybody else, um, and so he backed out of the. He just backed out. He just didn't go back. Yeah, so, that's you know, what they, that is an option they have, but they have to sit out and they can't play and they get blacklisted and they can't play anywhere else. Like even even the Canadian leagues, they get locked out of that. Yeah, that's what happened. Can't go back. It's very yeah, it's very sad. It's, I've read some very sad stories from the players that it's it just tugs at your heart when you read these stories about of what they've gone through. Yeah, so he went to regular school. He's getting a degree now, and he's that's it. He's out. Yep, and then and then they have to go out to life, and how do you go to life in just a typical office after you work for the NFL? It's very it's very hard to adjust. Their career adjustment is very difficult for an average player, and it's it's and some people aren't sympathetic to it, but I'm very sympathetic to them. I feel really sorry for the players. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I do too. I do too, especially since I know I know one, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So you've so you've seen them. I know it's really hard for them to just go out to get a regular job after trying to after going and living their dream. And you, your show's called Dream Chasers. Well, they chased their dream and they made it. And then after two years, yeah. three years, they're done and it's over. And they have the rest of their life to look forward to. And a lot of them don't plan for that, which is very frustrating. But at least they make them go to school now, so they get an education, so they get something to fall back on, which I think is very yeah. good because I do think they need something to fall back on. But I think it's unfair. I think they should have a whole career in 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 football because that's their life pursuit, and I think they should be able to continue flourishing in football. Yeah, I do too. I I do too. I think that that should be what they you know what, that's what you're designed to do. But at at the same time, like you said, a lot of times they're just you know. And this young man, you know, I know him personally. I know his family. He is uh, admirable to say the least. Um, but he chose not to go back because that wasn't the team he wanted to be with, and they traded him because they didn't know what to do with him. Because um, he is a small guy. He's not very big, but he is fast. 
So what do you do with a fat, small dude? You know? Yeah, well, then, you know, that's that's the problem with the restrictions. If they didn't have restrictions, he could have appealed to other teams and they could have picked him up, but they can't pick him up because he's he's stuck with the team that he went to and for the first four years, even though they're not – even though they don't want to keep him, they want to trade him. He has to stay with that plan for the first four years, which is very typical. Your your story that you're telling is very typical for the average player. For most of the players, don't get the marquee treatment, the Brady treatment, something like that. They get what you're talking about for treatment. Yeah, and, and they did very trade painful him. Decisions. They did trade him, um, and he yeah, did go, but he didn't want to go. Right. Like well, that's it. a that's a painful decision that they have to make because because I can kind of sympathize with that. You go to one place and you expect to play there. You don't want to go someplace else. That would be very frustrating. Right. Yeah, and so most people don't know about that. You know, they don't know that he was kind of stuck. And then when he left, he said he didn't want to play anymore because his dream got crushed. You know, it was like that was it. Yeah. That's, that's it. So, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, Jody, thank you. And wow, what a what a synopsis! What a what a what a. I mean, to tell you the truth, I think that this is just as wonderful. Um, what you've done is you've put it in a, in a form where people will actually look at it and go, "This is what it looks like." For real? Wow. You know? Yeah, I, I was, I'm so, thinking it would make a good movie someday. So I'm kind of looking at that and exploring that right now to see I if I can get in. Yeah, because I think it would make a very passionate movie for people to see the struggle that they've gone through in the NFL. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. You well, let great. me know when that happens. All right, you I let will. Me know I'm going to have right, to be a part you. of it, though, because I'm going to have to be a part of it because, you know, I'm doing the radio interview right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll remember you then. I'll, I'll keep in All touch right, with so you. We could start off with the radio interview and say, hey, this should be a movie, and then cut to the movie, and then we can end with the radio interview. How about that? <laughs> That's a great idea. Thank you so much, Jody. I was just playing around with you, but you know, I, you know, if you, I mean, if you, you know, that that's what comes up, and I'm, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you very you. much. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> Goodbye. You too. Good night. Bye. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful book, NFL Free Agency, freeagencyprofootball.com. We have had a wonderful show for you today, and I can't say – I'm just going to go out on the on the debut song by Susan Fisher's Men. But, I mean, you know, it's just like this. I, I just – I can't say enough about the talent that comes through Dream Chasers Radio. So much talent – that it it, it does not it doesn't amaze me. What it does is it, is it is it inspires me. It inspires me to do more. It inspires me to be more. It inspires me to put more out so that you guys can see that people are inspirational. So I want to thank you all for listening to Dream Chasers Radio. Don't forget again to what? Dare to be different, baby. Well, we're going to go out a different way today. We're going to go out with Fishers of Men. I think I love that song. I think that song really describes what I believe as well is we're being Fishers of Men, not only as a dream chaser, but as a go-getter and also being loving and kind to one another. I love you, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow at noon. That's right. We're going to be on the show, a very short show tomorrow at noon. So tune in to Dream Chasers Radio tomorrow at noon. We'll see you then. Here it is, Susan Mutesi. I'm going to torture your name. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Susan Mutesi, Fishers of Men. <laughs> Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I'll make you
I'm going to tell you what I'm after you. 